Hello. Now, this episode is about designing for an acreage block. Whether you're choosing a home off the plan, you're building a custom designed home, or you're renovating and extending your existing one, there are certain things to know so that you can make the most of your acreage block. So let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. Now, before we get going with the episode, remember there's a special free e-guide for each episode this season that you can download. So for this one, you need to head to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash acreage block or one word and you can grab yours and uh, it includes a transcript of this podcast plus an interactive worksheet for you to think about how you'll design for your acreage block. And if you can't remember that link, head to the show notes because it'll be there too. Now, acreage homes can actually cover a lot of different types of lots. So it can mean a single acre in a suburban area where large, you know, larger lots are the norm. Uh, and it can move right through to regional or remote areas where there's then thousands and thousands of acres of, say, a working property with a home situated on it and everything in between. Now, through Undercover Architect, I've had the benefit of working with many regional clients, both here and overseas, and I also live on acreage myself in the Byron hinterland. So over the years, and especially from my own personal experience of living in our current home, I've learned that acreage homes really are a different experience of design and of living, and there's different ways to consider how they're arranged and how they're used, and what functionality they'll then need as a result, uh, and that, that that can really vary from your normal suburban home, even when they're in a suburban area. So firstly, let's look at the main challenges for acreage blocks. Now, the first challenge is actually an exercising constraint when it comes to designing your acreage home or exercising restraint. You know, acreage land, even when it's only one acre, it's big. It's 4,000 square metres in an acre. And, you know, that's obviously bigger than your average suburban block. And of course, that's one acre. So it just increases from there. Now, because of this, I see homeowners really struggle during the design process to keep their home as efficient and compact as they initially intended it to be. You know, many homeowners, they'll buy acreage, not because they want a super large house, uh, but because they love the land and they love the space of an acreage block and the distance that it gives them from their neighbours and the street, which then also affords them more peace and quiet and privacy, you know, and it's in an area that they love that has that type of land around it. And so you can start with great ideas about an efficient and a well-planned and a compact home home and because there's no boundary stopping you you know there's no edge to where your block is that's right near your house you've you know and what you find is you add the little bit of space there and that extra room that you add here and so you can find you're actually just continuing to grow the home into something far bigger than you planned in the first place so staying really clear on your brief 
your budget and your overall goals for your home is really necessary. I mean, it's necessary with every type of project, but especially with acreage blocks, uh, because it doesn't take long for this process to run away from itself. And you can, you know, unintendingly open, unintentionally end up with a really large sprawling home simply because you have the space to build it. And then this sprawling home situation, that can actually then lead to some other challenges that need to be managed. So something that a lot of acreage homes uh, have to deal with is because of that space that's available on your land, you know, the second story isn't often necessary to provide that extra room that, you know, you that you, you want in your home that if it was on a smaller block, you'd need to add a second story for. And yet, you know, on some acreage blocks, you might have a view that you want to make more of, or you like the idea of having your master bedroom on an upper floor so that it has a real sense of separation from the rest of the home. And then the debate that I see homeowners often get into is whether it's sensible to create a second story if you have the space at ground floor level. You know, do you really want to add a set of stairs into a home uh, that you plan on being in for a few decades and, you know, perhaps thinking about mobility when you're older, uh, if you've got elderly parents moving in, you know, and then there's also the extra cost involved in building a second story versus putting that space on the ground level. And I see a lot of homeowners tie themselves in knots about this for some time, working out whether to put a second story on their acreage home. Now, my general feeling when it comes to acreage blocks is that zoning and separation, they can be achieved uh, in a single level design if the home is designed well. So if zoning and separation is the reason that you're wanting to do a second block, a second level, sorry, it's not really a sufficient reason for locating a space upstairs. You know, as for view and for other reasons that you might want to space upstairs, then that becomes a site specific and a budget specific decision that you'll need to weigh up for your home. Now, another challenge with the sprawling home situation is that the acreage home can just bleed into the landscape and there can be little hierarchy in how it's arranged. And I see this being a big mistake for a lot of uh, home designs that happen on acreage blocks. So what does this mean? Well, when I'm referring to hierarchy in designing a home, it's that process through the design of giving priority and order to the way that the public and private spaces of your home are arranged. So in a suburban block, uh, in a you know more dense area, that hierarchy can often be forced because you want to make the more, you know, you want the more public areas of your home, uh, your living areas and your outdoor entertaining areas to have connection with your garden and, you know, with light and views. So they get located on the ground floor where they're easily accessible. And then the more private areas of your home, your bedrooms, your bathrooms, they can then get arranged on a second level which is away from where most people uh, see or visit your home. Uh, Or they might be arranged along a hallway uh, and windows are protected from views uh, into them from outside uh, or concealed as a result, you know, because they're on a side boundary or they're upstairs. Now, if you think about most acreage blocks, you know, you're driving into them and the home sits generally with exposure on all of its edges. So yes, it may be distanced from its boundaries and from its neighbours, but once, you know, somebody's inside the fence, you know, all of those edges of the home can usually be accessed as someone, you know, can circumnavigate your home. And so those private parts of your home, you know, choosing where they go and how people might be able to walk past them or how you might prevent them from walking past them uh, and then protect their privacy as a result, that that can actually be quite 
quite challenging in an acreage home. And it can be difficult to arrange the spaces without, uh, you know, with, with giving them an inherent hierarchy of what's intended to be accessible and visible versus what is supposed to be private and concealed. And I see a lot of homeowners um, not understand this when they're going through the design process and then get quite surprised by it when the home is on the site. Now, another challenge, and this often happens on much larger blocks of land, so not just your single acre, but moving into larger acreage blocks, is that the front door isn't necessarily a formal and, you know, much used entry to the home. And this is this is one that I didn't really truly experience myself until we started looking for our current home. So we were looking for something that was on a block that was over 50 acres. And time and time again, we were inspecting homes that just didn't have a front door. You know, you'd walk into the house off the veranda uh, or the deck and you'd be arriving into, you know, part of the living areas of the home. You know, that idea of opening the front door and deciding whether someone gets invited in to see more of your home, that doesn't really happen. And because once they're in your home or they're on your deck, they can pretty much see all of the house anyway. And, you know, of course, with a lot of acreage homes, especially on those larger lots, you know, you don't necessarily get the random strangers or door knockers coming to your front door very often. So that standard approach of designing a home with a front elevation and an entry door and an entry hallway, you know, that may not necessarily apply in an acreage block and home. And sometimes it can mean that you're designing your home so that people are actually walking in off your main outdoor entertaining area or your deck uh, or into your home in another way. And so the challenge can be in really determining how that arrival, you know, what that arrival feels like and how you can still preserve privacy or whether that's important or perhaps that privacy is handled elsewhere on your property, say at the front gate and, uh, you know, where people can put their things down as they arrive, where do they take their shoes and their hats and their coats, uh, you know, where do you guys do that, where do school bags get dropped uh, and, and the, the place into the entry of your home still has a sense of presentation about it. Now, another challenge happens when you're building or renovating a home on an acreage block that is also a working property. So many of the regional clients that I have the great fortune to work with, um, you know, they're gorgeous families that are living on working properties and they're often having to consider how their home works from a business sense as well as from a personal family sense. And this is particularly relevant for homes, you know, uh, on large working properties where staff also live on the property or they need to come into the home. Uh, Or it may be perhaps that suppliers are coming to visit as well and how they need to arrive at the home, you know, how that happens so that it doesn't compromise the family's personal space and privacy as well. In fact, many regional homeowners that I've worked with, they're dealing with these suppliers, you know, or the bank manager, having to travel a long distance to come see them and so they're staying for the night as well and they end up holding meetings around their family dining table you know the office is a room in the house and there's loads of crossover between the personal and the professional and family and business so it can be tricky to design an outcome that satisfies the demands of operating as a business venue as well as a personal intimate family home and you know and this may be even extending to you if you're wanting to create a home office and work from home and you might have people coming to visit you and needing to preserve the privacy of your family home as well. 
Now, one family that I helped with the design of their renovation, and they're also a member of my online program, Your Reno Roadmap, they run a 50,000 acre cattle property. And so the owner would often be cooking meals for staff and for visitors, as well as her young family, all out of this old kitchen uh, and with everyone sitting around the family dining table. You know, when she told me how many people she might have to feed an evening, I couldn't believe she was managing to do it out of this kitchen. And, uh, you know, so the design that we worked on, it had to resolve how she could juggle family life, you know, both her and her hubby could run their business and that their home could accommodate staff and other visitors and everything happen in a balanced and harmonious way. And I've got that project on the blog as a spotlight, so I'll pop a link in the show notes for you to check it out. You know, the home had been in their family for several generations and so it was so exciting to help them with their renovation and see the home become far more functional and enjoyable for them to live in. Now, there can also be the challenge of builder availability and how that impacts your budget as well. Now, this again will apply in more regional locations where access to builders uh, and trades can be limited. And many homeowners in this situation tell me that they can't afford to be picky uh, or put the builder or tradesperson offside because they don't necessarily have many others to choose from. And this can also mean that you're a bit beholden to what they'll cost and how they'll work. And I do find... Uh, However, though, that many regional locations, they can achieve lower prices for their builds and renovations because their builders and their tradespeople have lower building uh, business costs or they operate their businesses differently to more urban areas. And so this can mean that projects can be more affordable in these locations as well. You may, however, find, though, that the builders and tradespeople in these locations, they don't always work under contracts or they want to work on daily or hourly rates. And so and they're not necessarily always worried about approvals either, depending on where you're located. So it's important to determine how you're going to manage your risk in all of this. And sometimes you will have to do what is available to you and just deal with it. But there's still an opportunity to change your project or to change, you know, money, what you're spending your money on so that you have some buffer to manage the risk if that's required. Now, your services can also pose a challenge for acreage blocks, as as can fire restrictions and other items that are more particular to regional and rural locations. So when you're building on acreage, you know, you may... You may perhaps be in an area that's not serviced by town water or electricity, uh, or if it is, that the infrastructure can come at a significant cost to get it to your actual house site. Or additionally, you may require a specific septic solution or some other type of waste uh, treatment on site to deal with sewerage. You may be collecting rainwater and, you know, you may be needing to think also about irrigation and livestock as well. And, you know, it's really about how you're going to manage this infrastructure overall in your project plans. And you may need to come up with innovative solutions to get water, power and phone to your property and to deal with waste. And if you also have a bushfire issue on the site... You know, not only building a home for the required bushfire attack level rating or BAL rating, you know, but thinking also about how you'll actually fight fires if you need to, um, you know, whilst you're waiting for the local fire brigade to turn up or you're trying to manage it on your own. So all of these things can come into consideration on acreage blocks. So getting advice on this early is important because that can all put, all of those things can put a really big dent in your budget overall. And, you know, speaking to your local council to determine what infrastructure 
uh, is required is also important. I've seen lots of acreage homeowners in regional locations just assume that they don't need approval for various projects or they've not bothered because it was too difficult. You know, both of these situations, they can come unstuck if you need to sell at some point or perhaps council has to inspect your property for some reason. Uh, you know, as an example, when we bought our place, uh, the council actually, the local council required a septic inspection within three months of us settling. That was a condition any time ownership changed on a property, they had to come and inspect the septic tank. And so when the council inspector came on our site to look at the septic tank, as he walked past the house, he pointed out that the pool needed a legal fence and he gave us 28 days to install one. Now, fortunately, we'd done our due diligence when we were purchasing the property and we knew that the, pool, the, the lack of pool fence was going to be an issue. And so we'd negotiated the purchase price with the vendor to accommodate the fact that we were going to have to install a pool fence uh, in order to satisfy current uh, building regulations. So we were expecting it, you know, we were expecting it and we budgeted for it. However, I've seen homeowners, they've put in secondary dwellings, uh, they've then had to pay large fees in having um, standalone septic systems uh, that satisfy the requirements for having a secondary dwelling, or they've had to upgrade infrastructure uh, like driveways and crossovers and all sorts of things as part of their development approval conditions. And it's come as a nasty shock and surprise in uh, getting their project going. So researching these things early in your project will help you prevent a nasty surprise at approval stage uh, and blow out your budget as a result and make the project unaffordable. Now, lastly, there is a master planning challenge that happens on acreage blocks. Look, with most acreage blocks, the land is not only accommodating the home. There'll often be other buildings such as sheds that are used to store equipment to take care of the acreage. And depending on the size of your acreage and what you're doing with it, there can be other structures and facilities having to be accommodated as well. You know, even the rainwater tanks can be massive on a, an acreage property. So the challenge can be in how you actually create an overall master plan plan for the site that takes all of this into account. You know, many homeowners, they're concerned with about how they make, you know, the views from their home great uh, and not smack bang into the side of the storage shed. And, you know, they'll, they'll look at how the approach looks and how it feels for when they come to their home uh, or visitors arrive at their place and about, you know, whether guests are going to be accommodated in the house itself or outside of it in separate buildings and what the relationship is between all of those structures. Often homeowners will let this happen organically. They'll add structures as they're required with little thought to how it will impact the experience of the home. Or sometimes they buy the land and then they build the shed for somewhere to live first uh, and then they build the house whilst living in the shed. And then that can impact what's possible for the house itself. So it's always worthwhile upfront investing some effort and time in master planning for the whole site so that you can be building and renovating towards a larger goal and know that everything will always work together and you won't be forced into a decision just because you made an earlier one. And it will also help you ensure that the home itself isn't compromised, either in its position, its function or how it feels because of what else you've put on your site. Now, let's look at what acreage blocks have got going for them because there are some fantastic opportunities for acreage blocks if you know how to approach them and what to focus on.
One of the fantastic opportunities for acreage blocks, of course, is that you do have space. So, of course, this provides you with lots of room to create your new home or renovation. Now, as I said earlier, this can also be a challenge. However, you don't have some of the challenges that other block types have in terms of how you might be forced to arrange rooms or to think about views into the property from nearby neighbours or the position of side boundaries that might be forcing where your home extends to. You may, however, though, have a building envelope that you have to work with, and so that can determine where a new home can actually be located uh, and the size of it overall. And it is possible, though, to get permission to relocate your building envelope sometimes with council, so that's always worth checking if you don't like where it's currently uh, situated. Now, another opportunity builds on that challenge idea of not having, you know, not necessarily needing or having a front door or a formal entry into your property. So it's your chance to think differently about how you and others enter your home, you know, what they might need to take off and store and how can that work with the arrival into your home itself. So this might, you know, introduce that idea of mudrooms and the spaces where you can help everybody keep their boots and their coats and their bags before they enter the home. And if you live in a colder climate uh, or somewhere perhaps where it snows during winter, then you can use that space as an airlock into your home as well so that you can help manage the indoor air temperature and not lose the heat every time somebody opens the door. Now, a mudroom doesn't have to be a messy space, uh, even though it's called a mudroom, that always looks like a service entry. There's uh, homes in the Northern Hemisphere, particularly in the colder parts of the Northern Hemisphere, they actually do this really well, where the mudroom is like an airlock and an entry space into the home, and it doubles as the front entry as well. So have a look at those types of homes for some inspiration. Now, another opportunity is the nature of car accommodation on an acreage block. Acreage blocks often require equipment to maintain the land as well, plus any other operation of the property. So depending on the block of land and what it's used for, you'll often have a shed which is a storage for things like, you know, ride on mowers and other equipment that doesn't necessarily need to be kept near the house. Now, this is quite different to the suburban home, of course, where a garage will not only be the accommodation for the cars, but it's also for general equipment like lawnmowers, sporting goods, gardening equipment, camping gear and the like. And what I often see is acreage homeowners, they'll build a home without a garage uh, and build a shed and then they'll use their shed for car accommodation. However, this can mean that the cars can be a distance from the home and the walk between them is not undercover. Or it can mean that they locate the shed uh, closer to the house so um, that they have that convenience, but then it's limiting the outlook from the home and the shed's always part of that experience of the home. But an acreage block actually gives you the chance to think differently about how you might accommodate the cars uh, and the vehicles that you're using every day. So you can keep your shed for the storage of all of your maintenance equipment and the things that you're, you know, you're using to run the property or you're not using every day. And you can also use it for sporting goods and the kids' bikes and all of those types of things. And then you can look at whether it's worthwhile to build a carport closer to or even attached to the house to accommodate your cars adjacent to your acreage home that will then provide easy access in and out, uh, especially when it's super hot or it's raining, so it's undercover. And this means that you've got a concreted or gravel area as well that's undercover, which can actually be really great if the kids need somewhere to play uh, that's not the deck or the veranda. You know, you can pull the cars out and you can give them space to ride around on, for example. You can still have some storage in this space and it can be a way to get easy access into 
into the home when you're trying to carry groceries in from the car. It can also be a space for, say, the chest freezer or a second fridge that's next to the home if you don't want to accommodate them within the home itself. Now, another opportunity I want to mention is in the design of the home itself in, term of, in terms of its form, its shape and its style. Now, quite often, purely because of the space that's provided, acreage blocks will be single-storey homes. And this can mean that they're low, land-hugging homes that can appear quite dwarfed by the landscape and environment. It can also mean, depending on the type of design that you choose or create, that the roof is very visible and it becomes what we call the fifth elevation of the home. So there's four elevations, you know, one of each face or frontage or wall of the home, and then the roof becomes the fifth and what I mean by this is that the roof actually becomes a significant part of how your home looks and feels aesthetically and style-wise as, you know, as much as the exterior walls themselves. And if your home is having a hip and gable roof, uh, then this can be particularly relevant because with a long, low home, a hip and gable roof can be almost as tall as the home itself, as the walls themselves. Now, this provides tremendous opportunity in the design phase to really think about how your home will look. And you can also consider whether you use, you'll use your roof space for anything else, be it storage or a loft space, you know, given that it can actually end up having quite a bit of height and internal volume. A word of advice, though, if you are planning a hip or gable roof for your acreage home, I suggest that you design the roof and the floor plan together. You know, this can be a, it can be a bit tricky for me to describe in words, but hip and gable roofs and how they step, you know, how many valleys and ridges they have and how tall they get overall, all of these things are actually driven by the floor plan itself. And there's a bit of skill and thought to design a hip and gable roof that appears well considered and is not just a mess of stepping ridge lines and lots of valleys and lots of changes in direction. And when the roof design is actually simplified, it you know not only does it look better overall, but it can be far simpler and less costly to build as well. Now, the thing is that computer modeling these days, uh, in terms of drawing up a home in a, in a CAD package, it, it enables hip and gable roofs to be generated automatically for a floor plan without having to think at all about how it's designed. And this can be the culprit of some very messy roof designs and also higher building costs as a result. So how do you avoid this? Well, make your concerns known to your designer early on. Find images of roof designs that you like and want your home to look like. I've had a member inside your Reno Roadmap doing this for her home. She's building a home on acreage. And it wasn't until I pointed this out to her that she started really putting those design detective eyes on and having a look around and seeing just out of hand, it's just far out, it's just how far out of hand some hip and gable roofs can get on single story large homes. And it really tuned her into looking at what does she like? What does she not like? How does she need to brief her designer? She actually ended up building a cardboard model herself of her home to really wrap her head around it. She's extraordinary in how she's been able to sort of figure this out. And that's really helped her understand more about how she wants the home to look. Now, you don't have to go to this extent, but I think if you start tuning into looking at other acreage homes that are single story, have a look at the roof. Where does the roof look simple in design? Where does it look messy and unintentional? Looks like it's just been banged on the house itself. 
What will you need to do to communicate, you know, that to your designer, you know, helping them understand from the outset and, you know, what you're expecting aesthetic wise from your home and especially your roof that will really help you avoid disappointments down the track. And the 3D modeling will really help here too, so that you're not always just looking at a two-dimensional elevation drawing of your home because they can be quite deceptive in demonstrating just how bulky your roof design will appear on a large single-storey hip and gabled uh, home. So you'll be in a much better position to understand the volume and form of your home overall and the roof design, whatever the roof type that you're using, uh, if you can see it in three dimensions before you build. Now, when you're designing your roof as well, just be careful not to bury the interior of the home with verandas that wrap the whole way around the edge of the house. Uh, I see a lot of people trying to create that farm style, you know, uh, home where the verandas surround the house the whole way around. What that does, it'll, it'll actually limit the amount of natural sunlight that can get into the home itself because the veranda edge uh, and height of the roof can be quite low and this will make for a very dark home internally and it can make winter warming uh, via natural sunlight very difficult. So make sure that you understand how the sun angles work for your home and how they're going to work for your design and that you design your roof accordingly. Now lastly, the benefit of an acreage block is that you do have the space to create your design as something that can grow over time as budget allows and lifestyle requires. So starting with a master plan is important if you do plan to do this, however. Uh, many homeowners who have acreage blocks, they're often exploring their designs as a series of inter interconnected pavilions or perhaps a smaller home that they can add onto later. You don't have to do it all at once or right now. You know, they've also, they also can look at, I've seen homeowners look at how guest accommodation for family can be built as separate buildings that they might use for other functions as well down the track, you know, your acreage block can actually be your own little village of buildings that you can add to over the long term. So if you're just starting out, you know, get some help with mapping out how your site and home could work into the future so that any decisions that you're making now don't limit your opportunities down the track. Now, let me take you through the key questions to ask about your acreage block and the home that you're designing for it or renovating on it. Answering these questions or talking through these ideas with your designer or your builder will help you tailor a solution to suit you, your block and your needs and make the most of the opportunities available. So question number one, how will you master plan your whole site? What do you need to build on the site now? and later to accommodate the functions of your home and property and how will all these structures relate to each other? Question number two, will you have a formal entry to your home or will you do something different and how will you deal with shoes and coats and hats and bags and all the other stuff on entry? Now, question number three, will you accommodate your cars in a shed nearby or in a carport or will you provide a parking space near the house? How will you arrive home and how will you come into the house with groceries and how will that be impacted when it's raining or it's particularly hot? Question number four is what is the orientation of your block? You know, where is the sun moving? How will you maximise this for your home given that you have more exposure to work with? You don't have neighbours overshadowing you so how will you get this to work for your home? Question number five are you on a working property or are you on a lifestyle property? And how will either option impact how people come to your home, uh, the types of people that are, your, are coming to your home and the division between what's private and what's more public in your home's design? 
Question number six. Have you collected together ideas of how you want your roof to look so that you can brief your designer, your builder or your draftsperson about this? Question number seven. Have you considered the services and the other site-specific conditions such as bushfire management and have you budgeted for them up front? Question number eight. Are you in an area with limited access to builders and trades? And if so, how will you protect yourself as well as get the best results in your project? What systems can you put in place to make this happen? Question number nine. Are you considering a second story? If so, do you really need it? Or can you zone your home in a different way? How are you thinking about zoning in your home generally? You know, public to private, living to sleeping, outdoors to indoors, professional to private. Question number 10. Lastly, have you got a designer on board who can help you with the 3D modelling of your home so that you can really understand how it looks, especially the roof and how its design will look and impact how sunlight will access your home? Now, finally, I'm going to take you uh, through some things to think about for three scenarios on acreage blocks, okay? So choosing a home off the plan, building a custom designed home and doing a reno or extension. So scenario one, choosing an off the plan home to build on an acreage block. Look, you have so much flexibility when it comes to an acreage block to choose a home that suits the movement of the sun. So please keep this in mind when you're choosing a design prioritise how you'll make the most of the access to sunlight and protect yourself from harsh sun when required. You may find that if you're working with a project home builder that doesn't specialise in acreage homes, that the home designs will have limited views out the sides. So this will, you know, may be because it's designed to deal with side fences and side boundaries being closer than they are on your acreage block. So consider if you need to amend any designs that you're looking at so that you can provide extra openings or increase window sizes to really make the most of your bigger site and your potential indoor-outdoor connections and views that you can access around the home. Secondly, let's look at getting it right in a custom home design for an acreage block. Now, as I keep saying, a custom home design is really your chance to tailor a solution for your block. And, you know, particularly this is relevant for an acreage block and its special qualities. So firstly, do a really good quality site analysis of the specific assets that you want to maximise and what you want to play down. Focus on orientation, views and breezes, as privacy generally isn't too much of a concern on acreage blocks. If you're starting from scratch, then master planning is going to be a big goal for you. So see if you can anticipate all the things that you might need on your acreage block now and down the track. Get some help with overall design layout of all of the ancillary buildings, structure, services and landscaping so that you can design a solution that works for the whole site, not just for your home. Now, it can be tricky to think what you want long term when you not, may not be even able to visualise what you want in the short term. So have a look around at the neighbours, you know, at other properties that are a similar size to yours used in a similar way. What, what you need will be largely dictated by what you plan to use your acreage for. So look to other examples to see what might be required. I'm going to pop a link in the show notes to a project that I did for homeowners, another spotlight, that uh, were building a new home on acreage and they work from home. And so they needed something that was going to give them separation between family and professional life. And they also wanted a pavilion style home. Uh, And they'd originally designed a home that had a series of quite freestanding and separate buildings with sort of almost bridge connections between them. 
And my design alternative actually sought to bring the home together more than this. So it could still feel like one family home, but the design really still sought to achieve separation between the various zones of the home. So I'll pop a link in the show notes so you can check that out as well. Now, thirdly, let's look at renovating or extending an existing home on an acreage block. Now, renovating a home on acreage can often mean assessing the history of the existing home and determining what you'll keep and what you'll change. Many acreage homes actually end up being a renovation purely because the owners actually relocate an old home there and then they renovate it on site. You know, around where I live in the Byron hinterland, this is a super common way to create an acreage home. If you drive through Bangalore, You'll be amazed at how many people have relocated an old Queenslander to their property and then renovated and extended it. And oftentimes I find that old homes on acreage, you know, existing old homes, and we found this a lot when we were looking around, they had been built with little consideration for orientation or for maximising the assets of their site. You know, they're usually positioned based on what was simplest at the time of their construction in terms of access and of running infrastructure for water and for power and sewerage to the home. So you might find that the existing home might not be positioned with the best view or it might be too close to the road just purely because that was the simplest way for them to get you know power from the road to the house. I remember we were looking at a lot of places where they had an amazing hill on their property with incredible views but the house was down on the flat near the road where it was obviously the simplest and less least expensive place to build it you know and that road over time may have become far busier than when the home was originally built. So renovating does give you the opportunity to improve this and to improve the thermal comfort of the home as well and perhaps see how spaces can be better arranged or extended so that they suit the orientation of the home. If you are wanting to preserve the historic quality of the home, perhaps because you love the character or quirk, or perhaps because it's got strong nostalgia attached to it, then make sure that's part of your original goals that you revisit on on a regular basis. If you remember the property that I mentioned earlier that was a renovation of a family home on a 50,000 acre cattle property, you know, that home had been in the family for several generations and there were specific things that we really needed to respect and preserve as we uh, created the renovation design. You know, the owner had actually grown up in the property, his grandmother had built it. So the home, you know, the home had a lot of memories uh, in how it needed to and how the, and those memories needed to be preserved as we moved forward but the home also needed to work much better for the business that they ran from it you know for staff and supplies that visited and stayed and for the small children that were being raised in it who would then be another generation to take over the home so all of this informed how the renovation was designed and so check out the show notes and you'll see some information about how we went through that design process Okay, so that's it for Acreage Blocks. Now, I hope that you found this helpful. And even if you've been listening and you don't have an Acreage Block, you know, I hope that some of the ideas and the way that I talk through questions and concepts, they help you with your future home as well. Now, in the next episode, I'm going to be discussing dual access blocks and design approaches and ideas that can help you make the most of that type of land. So a dual access block is a block that has access on opposite ends of it. So 
Uh, it's obviously got a front and a back, but really it has two fronts. So we're going to be talking through how to make the most if that is your block type. Now remember to head to the show notes. I'll have all the links there that I've mentioned for you so that you can get some ideas for your acreage block. And you can also grab your free e-guide download too and go through those questions, work through them for your own property and project. So head to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash acreage block and you can find them there. Now, before I go, I'd love to know, are you enjoying listening to the Get It Right podcast with Undercover Architect? If you are, can I please ask three favours of you? The first is, could you please subscribe to the show on your podcast listening tool of choice, be it iTunes or Android, so then you're the first to know when the latest episode is live. The second favour is please leave a review for the show on iTunes. Now, they don't make it easy. I'm full of gratitude and admiration for anyone who manages to navigate the technological hurdle of leaving a review on iTunes, but it does make a massive difference to helping people find the show and seeing if it suits them. So if you can leave a review, that would be absolutely awesome. And the third favour is please tell your friends, your relatives, your neighbours, your work colleagues, the postman, (laughs) anyone that's willing to listen to you that the Get It Right podcast exists. You know, so many of you have told me that you found this podcast because someone referred it to you and that's brilliant. Uh, The more people that have this knowledge about how to get it right when designing, building or renovating their homes, the more level the playing field is and the more clever and empowered homeowners we have demanding better from the design and building industry. And that's how we improve it overall. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and for tuning into the Get It Right podcast. This has been Amelia Lee from Undercover Architect. Think of me as your secret ally. Until next time, bye. Bye.